1: get started today at trylifemd.com that's t r y l i f e m d.com Hi there lovers and friends. Welcome to Lovers and Friends the podcast a place where we talk about sex, love, relationships and dating and
2: and you and me and us today. We're talking about us.
1: Not really. I just wanted to find a way to introduce you and that felt the most natural way. So my name is Shan Boudram. I'm a sex educator with an educational background in sexology, psychology, and journalism who has been working in this field for 15 years. And this is my husband who has been having sex for 15 years.
2: 17, 16, 16 or 17 years. Your
1: sweet 16. Yeah. Happy birthday round of applause to you. Hey. Um. So Jared is going to be joining me on this one because we're going to be answering your juiciest, most taboo, most sexiest, rawest, vulnerable conversations around sex. And you might be wondering, this is a little bit off from the usual tempo of the podcast. And that is because we're still playing catch up for Valentine's Day. But after this, it'll be back to business. Yeah. Not that this is going to be a subpar episode. I'm just letting you know that we have a lot of great business to get to. But in the meantime, let's talk about getting busy.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Sex.
1: So I went to my Instagram and I asked people to submit questions either through voice note or through text note. How do you think most people submitted? Text. Yes. Yeah. Which is interesting.
2: Nobody likes to hear their voice.
1: I don't know if it's that. I think people are afraid that the person that they're having sex with might listen to this and recognize their voice. Maybe. Which, to just ease your concerns with that, this podcast is like 89% listenership for people who identify as women. But I will say, I am the classic person who makes the mistake of assuming that people are not going to watch my content and has come back to bite me so many times before.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody's watching in the distance. They're like Shaq behind the tree.
1: Have you ever had somebody before reach out and be like, I know you were talking about me? No. Never? No. You've never had one of your exes because you talked a lot on enjoy. joy.
2: Yeah. No, never. Oh, wow. Never in my entire life.
1: Maybe women are just more socially aware because I've definitely had men who have written me because I've said awkward things and been oh, like, really? I know this is about me. And now yeah. it's a beef
2: ting. And I'm like, yeah. man,
1: just be cool and act like you didn't know that was about you.
2: Yeah. No, no, never. Never in my life has anybody ever approached me and said, hey, you were talking about us. I'm mean, family, but <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> no, no exes. no, No people I've had sex with.
1: All right, so Jay, when I invited you to come on this, um you were like,
2: "I'm not down because well, here's the thing. here's the thing I, We're answering questions from people. You know how I feel about giving advice. I don't like doing it. I'd never found joy in it, mainly because I don't have like a degree or any type of expertise or anything that that staples that my opinion matters, <laughs> and so I always feel weird giving advice so i want to let everybody know that if you're watching this right now or listening to this uh if you hear my voice it sounds like this and i'm answering one of your questions take it with a grain of salt this is just straight from the experience in the male perspective it's not from an expert perspective
1: and when i give you this first question you're going to understand why it's necessary for you to be here great okay you ready how do you know if a man is enjoying a blowjob? Hmm. you like that huh (laughs) (laughs)
2: I think um, you know contrary to what people believe men are good actors too and a lot of times we're just happy to be there and happy to have our penis in your mouth so I think a part of that is just like I'm going to make sounds to encourage her to continue to want to do this I'm not going to make her feel like she's bad Um, so to answer your question you're probably never going to know because he is going to just be happy that you're there.
1: Can I give you my pro tip, which I hate actually saying this out loud to you because you're the person that I suck on your penis. So when your balls get closer to your body, yes, I know that you're getting ready to Yes, run.
2: there's a physical. So there are times
1: yeah. where I'm experimenting or trying something else, and I will test to see if it's working by being like, oh, like ball check. Like, is his scrotum really loose right now? Is it very long? And if it's getting tight, then I'm like, okay, I'm doing something you enjoy.
2: But that's not always a good indicator, um, because I can be enjoying it but not being close, not be close to coming. So I just I think like if, if a man's about to, you know, come, yes, his balls get tighter, and then his his um, penis actually gets really hard right before he comes. But I don't think that that is a good indicator on if he's enjoying the head.
1: That's an interesting point because not everything has to lead to orgasm. Like You can enjoy, like, yeah. I utilize teeth yeah. with you, and it's never going to get you to orgasm, but I would hope it's something that you yeah, like. Yeah,
2: I mean, every man is different, too. It's like, for me, I, I like, you know, teasing. I like the buildup. I enjoy the the journey more so than the actual destination. Um. So, like, yeah, my balls might be loose, but that doesn't mean that I'm like, Oh, when is she gonna finish? Like this is just <laughs> let's move past this. Like, no, I'm still enjoying it. Um, and that's the thing. I think if you're if you're really, really bad, you're going to know. But you're never gonna really know if you're like really good because he's just gonna be happy that you're there. Mm-hmm. So I guess the litmus test is like, you might not know if he's enjoying it completely, but you'll know when he's not enjoying it.
1: Let's flip the question. Do you know when I'm enjoying it and when I'm not?
2: Yeah um you you lean into it a little bit more i feel like if you're kind of like not completely ready or warmed up down there and the engine's not started then it's like you kind of like are jumpy and you're not really like leaning into me eating you out you're more so kind of like squirming a little bit and that's how i know like oh it's just not ready yet
1: that's probably good advice for the flip side then too if you notice, but I will say, because let me ask a question then, because you're naturally a little jumpy. So sometimes you react as if something is ticklish. Do you enjoy ticklish or is that jumpy? Like, oh, that's too sensitive.
2: Uh, It's a little bit sensitive. I wouldn't say enjoy, but it's a part of the experience. So I, I, I don't think that if I'm jumpy or squeamish or like, oh, that's sensitive. It doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it. It's just like, you know.
1: Don't stay here too long. Don't
2: stay here too long. Like test, you know, <laughs> test it out and then go go somewhere else, you know? So yeah, I, I, I don't, it's hard. I I mean, yeah. I don't think you have to worry too bad.
1: You always say this, but you have never given head to a man before. No. So you don't know what it's like to be down there and feel like, man, I don't know if we're ever going to get there. It's like walking to China. Like I'm going to give it a go, but I don't know if I'll ever get there. And I've had that experience before. So I empathize when women ask these questions because they've been with somebody who it's just not enough that they're just there. I mean, it's not going anywhere, and they want to figure out how. I mean, the real answer here is that you have to open up a line of communication. You have to watch that person masturbate. More than likely, you have to be make it sexy to be instructed.
2: Um, yes, all that is you know the educational advice, but I think that even if you're watching him masturbate. I know for me, like, I don't want you to masturbate me the way I masturbate me. I want something new. Like, I get that when I want. <laughs> I don't want the same, my same technique to be used on me.
1: But if somebody has not figured out a technique, yeah. wouldn't you rather go to the try, tested, and true?
2: Yeah, that's true. I mean, in a, you know, as far as, like, me trying to empathize for women and being down there for so long, it's not going to happen because that's just the life of a man. Eating out a woman is going to take time. And there is that feeling of like, I don't know how long this is going to take because sometimes it takes very long. Um, so yeah, I'm not going to empathize with you guys for that. So sorry.
1: When you are down there and you feel like I may never get to Tibet, what do you say in your mind?
2: I, I don't say that. I enjoy eating out. Like it's not like for me, I, I'm i doing it half for me. <laughs> I don't, you know, as long as it takes, like if I'm enjoying it, I'm having a good time, then it's like, it's cool. It's not a big deal. Um, And I empathize for women who don't like sucking dick, but suck a dick.
1: Popping in for the ad break right quick. You might notice that my co-host, my partner in crime, my lover, my best friend, my husband is no longer here. That's because at some point during the discussion, he got so heated and mad that he got up and left. You got to watch to the end to find out when that part was. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen. What did happen is though, is he has a really important day today and he wanted to give himself enough time to prepare. And he was gracious enough to still come and do this with me because doing podcasting alone sometimes can be a little boring and lonely. And so I asked for his help, even though he needed to give that time to himself. So I wanted to just say, shout out to you, Jared. I see you and I thank you. And I'm grateful for you. Another thing that Jared has supported me through that we talked about on a previous episode is my gassiness. Luckily, there's a solution for the awkward gut stuff. Ritual and Symbiotic have created a prebiotic, postbiotic, probiotic that is here to help you balance your gut microbiome. Now, I have been a user of Ritual for maybe three years now. I used it as my prenatal for Ryu. That was how I got started, and I am obsessed. First and foremost, they're just beautifully formulated tablets that never make you feel sick, that are easy to take, and they are fun to take, if I'm being honest with you. And now that I have switched over to this formula, I can say that I have noticed a difference. And that's why I'm happy to bring in the postbiotic to my daily multivitamin family. I've made a devotion to myself this year to really prioritize my health. And truly that begins with the gut. Daily three-in-one prebiotic, probiotic, and postbiotic with two of the world's most clinically studied probiotic strains to support the relief of mild and occasional bloating, gas, and diarrhea. Symbiotic Plus and Ritual are here to celebrate and hide your insides. There's no more shame in your gut game. That is why Ritual is offering my listeners 10% off during your first three months. Visit Ritual.com/lovers to start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. Again, that's Ritual.com/lovers for 10% off your first three months. My husband and I have been together for nine years. I've been wanting to explore more sexually, specifically a threesome. I'm a bi woman, and I would love to be with other women and share my husband. He's a little more reserved sexually, and although he's into the fantasy, he's more anxious about the act itself. Any tips to help my husband lessen his anxiety or any tips for him?
2: Mm. I understand the anxiety about it because, in theory, it sounds fun. But then you go through all the different, you know, awkwardness. Like, am I going to do something that's going to piss her off? Is she going to do something that's going to piss me off? Um, You know... You've been taught for I don't know how old they are, but for me, 31 years, I've been taught that like you're not really allowed to have any sexual experience with anybody other than your girlfriend or wife. So implementing that is going to take some unwiring um, to get there, uh, and so the anxiousness is normal. You know, I think if you just come up with a plan between you and your partner, if you're if the root is you and in her, and you guys are going into this experience together. Then, like, set up fire escapes, set up some boundaries that are like, hey, you know, if you did this, I think that I would feel a way about this. And then leave room for surprises. You know, you might be in the moment and not bother you and vice versa. You might be in the moment and you're like, I didn't think this would bother me, but it did. But if you guys go into it together and you guys made a decision together, then even if that experience happens and you guys both go, you know what, that wasn't really for me. And, you know, I'm glad that we did it. But, you know, I have some things that I can't really get over. Then you guys know. But I don't think the sexual experience itself should, you know, deteriorate you guys from ever trying it or at least having the conversation of like, if we were to do this, how would this look?
1: Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to answer this question the same way because we're going to see it different times. But there's a very big difference between the destination and the map. And a lot of people, I think, especially in sex, focus on the destination versus the map to get there. And that takes a lot of smaller steps, smaller turns. might take some detours. It might take some pit stops. But rather than being like, I'm at A and I want it to be at B right now, think about the route to get there. I'm a really big fan of sex workers for this reason. If I've ever thought about us with threesomes, that's always the first thing that my mind goes to because – that's a professional, it's more of a controlled environment. Maybe it's somebody that we both select in our own comfort. It's somebody whom we don't feel like there's a threat um, or we're gonna see this person in an awkward scenario. And if we do, we discuss that, but, or it could be something as simple as webcam, like using a webcam girl, you know, paying for that person's time along with your partner and start the dialogue. So rather than thinking about, oh, like I really want this and they don't want this, like what are the logical five next steps that are possible before that person is comfortable enough to get there?
2: Yeah, that's cool advice. That's cool.
1: What would be your, like, logical next step for you?
2: I think that um, I would just want to establish, like, how far. Like, is this free game? Like, are you going to have an issue? I remember having a conversation with somebody who was in a relationship with a girl and a guy at the same time. And I remember her explaining to me, like, I didn't care what happened during this sexual experience. I remember her saying, I don't care what happens during the sexual experience, but when it's time for him to come, he has to come to me. And I remember just being like, I would never have thought of that. Yeah, I would never have thought of that. I would have (laughs) messed around and just wherever it happened naturally. (laughs) And then she's just looking at me like I was here first. You're supposed to give me that nut. You know what I mean? But um, so, yeah, just I just I would want to establish like what are the hard lines? What would be disrespectful to you?
1: That's actually brings up a great point because it's also the power of watching porn together because you may not even know to answer that question. So if you both watch the same adult film and came up with 10 questions each based on what you saw, like you have a higher chance of being in the moment and being like, OK, we know that this is something that might bother me. Yeah. But all I don't all, No sex the first time is great with most people. Like most times that you try something new for the first time, it's a little awkward. It's a little choppy people's boundaries might get a little crossed as long as you can have that aftermath conversation and you both are devoted to making sure that each other feels safe and sexually satisfied it can go up yeah it doesn't have to be like amazing out the gate yeah getting vulnerable here i was and still am years later head over heels for my ex we always were respectful if we disagreed it's the best sex of my life he is so loving and caring and comforting so what's the catch He doesn't want kids or to get married. And I feel deeply in my soul that I need not want to be a mother. So we had to part ways. I feel so guilty getting into relationships after him though. The sex is never as good and it does not matter how deeply I love my new partner. It's just not him. I've opened up to him about the most vulnerable parts of me and I've never been so comfortable. To this day, we still have a friendship. When I'm in a relationship, I do not talk to him. But when it's over, I feel need to vent. I always go to him for advice. He's the person who made me squirt for the first time, have an orgasm without sex, the way he knows my body. How am I ever going to be with someone that I have this crazy passion and everything about us makes sense, but marriage and kids.
2: Love is a drug. And it sometimes fools you into believing that you cannot recreate that same love with somebody else. That is the lie. Um, And... You are not even allowing yourself to get over this guy. You guys are not compatible. You're sexually compatible. And that's cool, but you want kids. He doesn't. That is a major life thing.
1: That's a no compromise zone. Yeah. There are some things you can compromise on, you can meet in the middle. There is nothing in between let's devote our life to small people and let's live our lives for ourselves.
2: Because that's going to lead to a whole slew of other problems. You know, if I didn't want kids and you did and you strong-armed me into having those, you know, kids, when that baby wakes up at four in the, in the morning, I am not getting up. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know what I mean? So it's just going to lead to issues that I think you don't want, um, and you'll be able to recreate that same passion, that same love, and you'll have another sexually compatible person who doesn't want to have kids.
1: It's kind of that old adage, is it better to have loved and lost and never loved at all? Is it better to have squirted and lost that person than never squirted at all or had your best sex at all? It's better to have experienced that because now you know it's possible. And when you were going out there looking for partners, at least you've got a blueprint of things and cues to look for. Yeah. It's much more difficult when you're in the dark and you're like, I don't even know if anyone can do this. Yeah. Um, so just like you found somebody who was your unicorn in that particular way, there are 8 billion people on this planet. And you will find somebody who has that exact configuration that you're looking for. Might take a little extra searching, but it definitely, I think you made it a bar. You're doing a great job, Jared, first of all. Um, (laughs) I do think that what you said is so true. You got to really end that relationship. For real, like I have multiple episodes on the strategy for breaking up. Conscious Uncoupling is my favorite book, but it is definitely reeking of you have left, but you have not let go.
2: Yeah, you continue to talk to him and then you respect your person that you're with and you'll cut him off. But then as soon as that person's not there, you go and reach back out to him. Like, how are you going to get over somebody that you continue to go back to, if, whether it be emotionally or physically?
1: How do you navigate sex with a partner that has a small penis? The foreplay is great, but I'm not sure if we can be sexually compatible. If the equipment itself is lacking, how do you even be transparent in conversations with him about your needs?
2: How small are we talking here?
1: Well, let's just say under five inches. We'll go with that.
2: You're talking about micro? or If First, it's under you, five inches, you're fine.
1: But she's not fine. Let me just actually weave in that part that we did from um, the Harlem After Show right now. What makes a dick small? Mostly when people say someone has a small dick, they're referring to length. And since the average penis size is 5.1 to 5.6 inches across different studies, let's be generous and say anything below five inches is small. Now, when it comes to girth, Most dicks can fit inside of a roll of toilet paper. So if your penis is less than five inches, but also girthier than this, you have an argument to excuse yourself from the itty bitty PP committee. I think at the end of the day, you can find strategies to work with what someone's got. I do think that there is a conversation to be had. And I love the point that I made in that video wherein like if penetration is what you require to get off, majority of people with penises are going to give you penetration for somewhere between three to five minutes. So you're going to need a toy anyways, likely to get you the rest of the way or fingers. So it's lovely if you have a partner who can be that for you, but there are other options. And even if you had somebody with a huge penis, it doesn't mean it's going to fulfill you sexually. I do think there's an incredible argument for art though. Because at the end of the day, if you are turned on by a big dick, that's just what you're turned on by. Mm -hmm. That could be your fetish. Yeah. Like a big ass. There's maybe not like a particular function for that. But if that is what gets you horny and hard and sex. Yeah.
2: Slapping. Yeah. Squeezing.
1: There we go. There's the functions. (laughs) Um,
2: No, I mean, hey, listen. If you're happy in the foreplay and you're not happy in the penetration, and you don't want to do a toy, I think you're like <laughs> out of luck. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm going to lean on the expert for this.
1: I think that that could be a valid point. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's the thing that makes finding your person so magical because there's so many variables and there's so many different competing priorities. And so if sex is a high priority for you and everything else is there, but this thing is not, just take this as, okay, I learned a little bit more about what I'm looking for, but I do have to keep looking. Mm. But if on the flip side, you can just be like, I need a toy. I need more finger play. Um, can we utilize strap ons? Like, and I, let me ask this question. Do you think from the, your conversations with men, I know men don't really talk about this, mm. but do you think men with small dicks know they have a small dick? Yeah. Yeah? Mm. And so, with that, do you think they would be open to someone being like, I guess I'm kind of thinking about it in return because like I don't have a big ass. So, would I be open? That's not
2: a comparison. You had to have a loose pussy.
1: Right. But I don't have one though. So. No,
2: I'm just saying, I, like that—that's <laughs> the thing. Like, what if, what if someone, what if a girl's um, vagina just is too loose for to make him feel anything, and yeah. he has to only get off by getting head.
1: Yeah, or you can utilize hands with vagina at the same time. Yeah. Or there's toys that you can use. Um, yeah. It, are, I guess
2: it just sucks too, because with the, if you have a, if you have a, uh, like you know, a loose vagina, then nobody's having fun during the intercourse. Whereas I think with the man with a small penis, he could still probably have fun while he's.
1: It's the same thing. Is it? Yeah, because you could find other activities. You could find toys. It's the same solve.
2: But if a a girl, uh, what I'm saying is that if a guy has a small penis and he's having sex with you, he's probably still getting fulfilled. He doesn't know that you're not feeling anything. He's like still probably coming, still probably having a good time. Oh, you're saying 50
1: percent is better than zero percent.
2: Yeah, like I think he's he's gonna have a you know I don't know
1: the girl it, with the big vagina might be still having a great time.
2: Yeah, probably. Just I don't know four
1: player or something else. Whatever works for her, still working yeah. for her.
2: Yeah, I don't know.
1: I don't, I think at the end of the day, yeah, there's multiple different compatibility factors within sex, and it's about being clear about what your priorities are. Everybody's gonna have a sexual shortcoming if we. If you talked about it, I'm sure you could come up with what mine is, Um, but you have to be like, "Ah, is this overall the deal breaker? Are there other things that I really enjoy about this person? Yeah. And if it's the deal breaker, then yeah, it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. All right. Hi, Shan. You've enjoyed me to get into the sex education world. A, I'm reading that because it's important to this question. My question is, how do you gain the confidence and courage to take sex actively and take charge like writing or putting in work when you don't feel like you have the skills or expertise now as an educator what advice would you give to somebody who came to you and said this
2: i don't understand the question
1: they want to be great in the bedroom they want to be confident in the bedroom they want to be riding like a porn star or like a pro or like whatever it is that gets you off whatever indicate you know word here but they don't feel like they have the skills to do Mm, that yet mm -hmm. you got to get the skills That's it. There's dick writing classes. You can work on your flexibility. You can watch videos or just experiment. Sometimes it's just cool in the moment just to try. I try stuff all the time. Not everything works out. Um, My number one tip for experimenting and trying stuff is just move so much slower than you normally would. That just removes the fact of it being like a complete clusterfuck. Because even if it doesn't really quite hit, you didn't hit somebody in the face by accident by trying to swing your leg over. So just slow it down. Try new stuff and then ingest new information. Um, Tayomi, who goes by Glamzilla, she has a dick riding class, which you've seen those videos before. Yeah. Yeah. I will say that even with that, I've heard complaints from some people with penises before that they have had sexual partners who are really good at aesthetically riding. Like they know how to bounce it up and down. They can do splits. Like they understand the look to make it look really hot, but they don't understand like the actual function of the penis. And so maybe they're grinding rather than bouncing, or maybe they're bouncing rather than grinding. So it is also about asking your partner what they are looking for too, because what is good for somebody may just be looking good, but not actually feeling good for someone else.
2: Mm. Yeah. I mean, I also think too, it's like, you know, just be a little bit authentic, you know, sometimes like this You might not have, like, all the moves. You might not have, like, all the techniques and the things that we may may have seen on porn or whatever the case you're trying to be like. But when somebody's completely into it and infatuated and, like, just, like, in awe of you while you're having sex and that you could feel like they're just sinking into you, that's enough. That's enough. You don't have to do anything else. Anything else that you do is going to be a bonus. Yeah, you can do all those classes and you can learn all the techniques and all that. But if you're like, if I look at you and you're somewhere else and I could tell mentally you're somewhere else, then it's, it's not going to be as good. I want to feel like you're there. And that's like the most important piece. And
1: sometimes being there means matching energy. Because if you come in with like a preconceived notion of what you want to do, like what the plan is, the actual act may not call for that kind of energy. Yeah. So if you switch up, like you're not going with the flow. I mean, that's a big part too of like being great at something. You're able to apply art to it because you can practice that thing multiple ways, multiple times, that when you're in the moment, it just flows out of you. But there is a fine balance there because if you get too technical, then you're not matching energy for the moment. Yeah. I always talk about that with you, that like one of my favorite things about you as a sexual partner is that you're like like avatar <laughs> you feel like what? you're connecting with me <laughs> oh. i feel that like and that you're intentionally doing that and yeah. making a really strong effort to be where i'm at not where you want the situation to go
2: yeah yeah
1: All right. Hey, Shan. My question is about not having orgasms with partners. I have and enjoy them alone, but with partners, I feel shameful or uncomfortable or something. I just can't get my head in the game. I've had wonderful partners who have asked me how to get there or whether I'd masturbate in front of them. I just don't feel comfortable to do that. Would you have any emotional support on this topic? I've never heard a lot of women who have never had an orgasm and what are the physical tips for that? But my quote unquote problem is the mental emotional side of things.
2: Wait, she's never had an orgasm or so she's she never had an orgasm with a person?
1: And she's never had an orgasm with a person, but she's not really ready or comfortable enough to show somebody how to get her there.
2: Mm. Ooh. My advice would be turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. Maybe blindfold each other. Um, remove anything, any outside stimulant that makes you out of the moment or second guess yourself. If there's something about your body that you're not really comfortable with or something about, you know, maybe the sounds you make, you know, just try to eliminate that. Try to eliminate all the things that you may be like, I don't really want this person to see this or see how I get off um, because I don't want them to judge me. Um, I would just say, like, try to remove yourself as many as, as far as possible to where you're comfortable. Could be bad advice. But
1: I think it's good advice. Yeah. I think that the episode that we had with Alex and with Mike Johnson about men's sexual insecurity is actually a really great one to re-listen to. It was a great one for me because I initially interviewed Mike, who talked about male sexual anxiety performance. And I'm, I'm probably butchering that, but In essence, whenever he was with somebody he deeply cared about, he had a very difficult time maintaining or achieving an erection. And his reason for that was, if I really like somebody and I want to please them, it's like I get in my own way. And I never asked the question underneath that question. And that is what the expert encouraged me to do. He's like, well, why? What is it about you that makes you feel like when I'm around somebody that I want to impress, I won't be able to deliver, so I get really nervous. Is it size? Is it length of duration? Is it something that you've You know, told yourself about your body? Um, Is it something that you've told yourself about that kind of person, you know, what they do? Maybe you have got internalized misogyny where you're still like, oh man, good girls don't. Whatever it is, you have to ask the question underneath that question because yes, you've identified that there's something emotional that is preventing you from feeling comfortable enough to get physically there with someone, even though you can do it by yourself, but you haven't answered the question as to why and what that is. Yeah. And that can take some work and some time and some help. Um, this episode's not sponsored by BetterHelp, but if it was, this would be a great place to <laughs> plug that in.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, that's tough. I don't I don't really know. I think that um, I've always been fortunate enough in sexual experiences that I am kinda down to figure it out in the moment. Um, you know, there's there's experiences that I feel may i've i've been with women who are like oh i don't want you to eat me out you know or i don't want you to do this or you know uh i'm scared to to try this or whatever the case may be and i've always understood it but i i always like would think about it from a perspective of a woman of like all right well i enjoy eating out and she doesn't want me to do that is it possible that she may have been told or maybe that she didn't smell great, or, you know, she's, like, nervous about that, Um, and so just constantly trying to reassure, like, no, like, you smell good, like, you're good, it's fine, I promise you, like, this is something that I want to do, and eventually, you know, it would always get there throughout the relationship, but I would just try to figure out what is it about this experience is making her uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, and I think, again, kind of going back to the difference between a destination and a map is also identifying, like, Once you know what that why is, what are the little steps along the way that you can utilize to get you more comfortable? Maybe it's just looking at that person's picture while you masturbate, getting comfortable with that idea. Maybe it's phone sex, like old school phone sex, not FaceTime sex, where the person's just hearing you and maybe you don't even tell them you're masturbating. Maybe it's text messaging. Um, You have to find whatever your small ends are and be like okay what circumstances allow me to feel open and then eventually it'll make it easier for when the time comes to do it in person that you've got more information to work with yeah my husband is not as adventurous as me even simple things like handcuffs or anal how do i navigate this and open his mind to some of the sexual experiences i want to have while we're young
2: dang handcuffs and anal like are they together or is that like just two separate ends? My
1: husband. Oh, oh, you mean like, like handcuffing them while.
2: Yeah. Or is it like handcuffs and anal?
1: Handcuffs or anal, they said.
2: Uh, handcuffs and anal. Dang, that's a wide gap there. <laughs> handcuffs are like the entrance. like, <laughs> um, You know, I think a lot of times men have an issue doing things like that. Because of the way that they have been internalized what it means to do that with a woman. And if you're a wifey, I know a lot of men, a good good friend of mine is like, I don't do certain things with my wife because it will make me look at her different. That's something that he has to get over with. Um, And he has to deal with. And he has to know that that's something that is like hindering your guys' sexual experience. Um, There's nothing that you could really do to help him walk through that because it just comes down to an internalized misogyny and uh the patriarchy of like hey i only do this type of things when i'm cheating or i only do this type of things with a girl that i don't really care about but if i chose you to be my wife i i view women who allow me to do anal and do handcuffs as a certain type of woman and if i do that with my wife it's gonna affect the way that i view her it's completely on his end of he has to figure that out um and there's nothing that there's nothing that you can do that's gonna make him walk through that door
1: I think it's perfectly said. I'm not even going to mm. piggyback on that. I know that a later question that I read was from a woman whose partner likes to do anal on her and likes to pee on her, but she doesn't like those things. And so she was like, how do I communicate that I know this gets you off and I'm excited to do the things that get you off, but this really takes me out. And I do think similarly the advice I would give to both is focus less on the what and more on the why, because sometimes in sex it's – it's power play it's pleasure play it's healing it's expressing like the what of it is just a function of why it is that you want to do those certain things and Mm. i was having this conversation with Chrissy actually because she was like i just never got the peeing thing and i was like i get it i get it from the standpoint of both ends like i would let you pee on me because i want you to know that there's nothing about you or around you that's dirty to me. Mm -hmm. Like, I literally tell you all the time, like, I would eat.
2: Ah, stop. Okay.
1: But that's, like, my way of telling you, like, don't worry. I also low-key have a backdoor to this because I know that you probably couldn't do it.
2: No, I wouldn't do it.
1: Yeah, Well, not even that. You have such P performance anxiety.
2: Yeah, I got to be alone. Just (laughs) leave me alone. I'm going to focus over here. Y'all do your thing.
1: So twice in my life, I've done a course that's called Sexual Attitude Reassessment. And the whole point of this course is it's like a four-day intensive in which you just expose yourself to a lot of different things people like to do in the bedroom. Mm. And by the end of it, the goal is that you won't focus on the what. Like, oh, my God, that person likes to pretend they're a puppy. Uh, oh my God, that person likes to be shit on. But instead you're like, what's the why? Like, what do you get out of that act? What turns you on about that? then once you see that, number one, it can unlock a like, oh, I didn't look at it from that perspective. Now I'm cool with it. Or number two, okay, I see what you're trying to get. I think there's a different way we can go there. Mm. So I would encourage you to be like, what is it that you like about this? Maybe they can pee on something else that might turn that person on. Maybe there's like, Other ways, like I don't do anal very often, but I like when somebody lubes up my butt cheeks and just slides in between, there's an element of like excitement, surprise, like what might happen here, could it slip in or not? But I also know I have a bit more control and then I'm doing something that that person finds erotic, the butt play without going to a space where I don't feel ready yet. Mm. Um, So I, I definitely would kind of go there and see where that takes you. My partner and I have been dating for almost six years now and have a daughter together. We have an age gap of 10 years. I am 27. He says his sex drive is low, and that's why we only have sex once a week, sometimes once every two weeks. But is it possible that his sex drive is low and he is still masturbating daily? Or is it something that I should worry about? Because we've had many conversations on the matter. We, do, um, we also do go to bed at very different hours. He goes to bed very, very late.
2: He's 37?
1: He might be 37, or I'm hoping he's 37, not 17. Not 17. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't specify, so. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, he's possible. He could be masturbating. Um, also, too, it's like it's, they're busy probably. Um, I think that, you know, that I wouldn't even put it past, like, he's 37. Maybe his libido did drop. You know, I, I always have a thing where if it's not him masturbating and getting off somewhere else, then it could be the libido thing. And maybe he has to, or you guys can work together on figuring out how to rise that libido because there is diets, there's there's definitely medication, there's definitely ways to rise that up. Um, and, you know, maybe, you know, there's like ways to kind of stimulate his, not a, I wouldn't say sexual attraction, but his, you know, turn him on. Uh, in ways that maybe you did in the past that you're not doing anymore or he's not doing for himself maybe he doesn't feel like he's as manly or as as you know masculine as he could be maybe there's there's, there's so many things that I think ha- could be discovered through the conversation but it's a tough one to have because you know it's easy to just lean in on well I'm busy we're going to bed at different times you know
1: I think I always go back to the fact that sex does not take as long as people think it does um, we had sex last night and you're like I'm so tired and I'm like trust me this is not going to take the two hours that you think it will yeah um, so I think that that's something to always remind yourself of record yourself having sex next time and then allow yourself to be like that's a, a solid 12 minutes and everybody had a great time like yeah. you may have especially when you have a kid maybe you've got a space for two hours sex once every two months or whatever that is for you depending on how much help you have but the rest of the time Like you'd be surprised at how quickly you guys can have that connection and get that sexual release, whatever it looks like to you, within a time that's manageable to both of you. I do think that the libido question we could answer all day long. It is the number one question that's asked of sex. I think it's important to note because if you are in that space, know that many people are trying to figure out this problem, and many people have not. You have got to get creative. You've got to ingest a lot of different options. I can go through 10 different programs that I've heard of before, One and a half of them might sound interesting to you. None of them might. You just have to continuously be curious to figure out, like, how do we get on the same page? I think a big thing is asking the hard questions. We've definitely been there before.
2: Yeah. And go out. Yes. Sometimes it's like the mundane of doing the same routine every day. And if you're balancing a lot, if your work is very stressful, if you're in crucial times in your career or whatever the case may be, like, sometimes it's like, you're just in the fold of life. And sometimes you have to break that up by doing something new, going out, seeing, doing something that's not in your normal routine that might spawn that like sexual feelings going again. So I wouldn't lean it always on, he's not into me. Sometimes it's just circumstance.
1: Yeah, and I always say to people, when you want to see a big change, it has to come from more than just your mind. Because if we could change your mind, then change things, everybody would have all their goals met, they would have all their wellness needs met, like it yeah. takes habits it takes manual effort yeah and that feels icky when it comes to sex drive because yeah. there probably was a time where you didn't even have to think about it it was on
2: site yeah because our thing is new what we have is new learning our bodies are new learning what we like are new you know going through the fold of life with each other that is that's a completely new thing you don't have to adjust your your routine but if you've been together for 10 years you know at a certain point there's a routine that happens in your household especially when you have kids like It gets to a point where you're constantly feeding and doing things for other people, and then you come down to it. Sometimes the most easiest thing is just to lay down with each other. Um, But I just think setting up ways to kind of break that mundaneness.
1: What do you think has been our secret to maintaining an active sex life despite the needs of kids?
2: Hmm. I, doesn't it sound terrible, but I've noticed that if I am consistently working out, my sex drive is higher.
1: Why does that sound terrible?
2: I don't know. Some people might, I don't know. And it's crazy, Jen. I don't know. <laughs> but I've noticed that as soon as I started working out consistently, my sex drive went up. I don't know if you notice a difference. You could be wrong. I don't
1: Maybe. Know. I think... The difference maker for me is less how I feel about myself and sometimes more how I f- think my partner feels about my body. Mm. Like that can be the thing. Um, but I also don't know because the time that I went through low sex drive, I wasn't trying to fix it. Yeah. Like when I was pregnant and I wasn't interested, I had no interest in doing anything different. I'm like, well, figure it out, Jay. So <laughs> maybe for you, you've been <laughs> in a different playing field. But, um, I had grace for the season. I also have the benefit of reading from some people's comments and kind of knowing that these things can ebb and flow. And as long as you're mindful and you're having open dialogues with your partner about it and you're not just letting it go by the wayside, you're checking in with each other. Um, I think oftentimes you'll find that the pendulum is going to swing anyways, because like you said, things change naturally that might just bring it back to you yeah. rather than being so deliberate. But that is to be said, that's coming from two people who are constantly trying to change things and change their circumstances.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's tough. It's a it's a, it's a weird sticky situation that if you're in a long term relationship, you're going to run up in. It Doesn't make you guys weird or your relationship bad. It just means that you guys have to just reevaluate the way that we're connecting.
1: Yeah, I think fight. It's not yeah. always fight in that direct way, like you explained. Right. Like it could be fighting. To make time for working out, it could be fighting to make time with your friends. Like you have to be actively fighting against the flow of life, um, as you would call it, saying "fuck you" to life.
2: Yeah, and sometimes it feels nice to go out and, and get hit on by other women, and then feeling like I am I'm, I'm the fucking man, you know. <laughs> and like a vice versa for the woman. Like sometimes it's nice for her to go out and be, you know, treated a certain way, like by other people that she finds attractive, and then coming back home, like I am I am confident in me. And coming home with that type of energy can set off a chain reaction. Some people are scared of that. Yeah. Some people don't like the the idea that their partner is being flirted with, but it could do your relationship a lot of benefits. So, <laughs> you know, take that with a grain of salt. Fuck you, shade room. Oh, why? <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> I think long story short, what we're both saying is that if you're not mindful and you don't have the fight in you, it's, probably not going to just resolve itself naturally. Yeah. But the fight doesn't have to look in that specific way that you think where you're constantly going to your partner and being like, come on, come on, come on. Oh, that
2: almost does the opposite. Right. That will do the opposite. If you were coming to him like, why don't you want to have sex with me? Oh, my God. Come on. You're such an Aries. It gets to a point where you're just like.
1: I pull the husbandly duty card on you. Do you hate it?
2: No. It's fine. That's better than like, come on. (laughs) Do you, the one thing I don't like that you do, you do this weird flirtation come on to me thing that you do it in an annoying way. Like you do it to be annoying instead of being sexy.
1: But Let me be clear. Whenever I do that, I actually don't want to have sex. And sometimes when you try to have sex to me when I'm being weird, annoying, flirty, I'm like, ah. Oh.
2: Because I just want to get this over with. Like, stop. Well, don't the worry. The weird, flirty <laughs> thing. Like, I'm let's just, just finding move.
1: joy in bothering you. It's like my playfulness. Yeah, I don't I like actually, it. when I am weird, weird, flirty with you, which I like, I think I got that like from yeah, I got that as a child. Like, yeah. it's something I've had my whole life. I enjoy it, but it's not actually sexual to me. Okay. It's well, just bullying. I don't like it. That's the whole point of it for me. <laughs> So just in telling you from now on, if I'm doing it, don't feel compelled that it has to go somewhere. Because if you try to be like, oh, let me appease. I'm like, ah, that wasn't what I wanted. I just wanted to bother Jared. That was Uh the point. Uh This is a question about vaginismus. It's quite a lengthy question because this can be a very emotional topic. This is a sexual dysfunction in which people experience a lot of pain from penetration. The vaginal muscles can spasm up. It can make it feel like a knife is running through you when it's supposed to be something pleasurable. Um, It's like a charley horse in essence that happens inside of your vagina whenever you try to insert something in. For some people, it can be a tampon. For some people, it can be a partner or a penis. Uh, Dilators are a therapy that a lot of OBGYN specialists or you can go to a pelvic uh, health specialist to figure this part of yourself out. You do not have to live with vaginismus it does take work and time I know many people who have had great success with it although I do understand that while you're going through it and trying things that may not be working it can feel very defeating so first and foremost I want to empathize with you now don't want to necessarily give you any medical advice here because I am not a medical expert and I do believe that down the line we should definitely have uh, I know there's a specific title for it like a pelvic floor expert there's somebody on Instagram called the vagina harborer Mispronounce that, please go to the show notes. I will link that person who does a lot of information around, um, PC muscle health and the misinformation that's out there about this particular muscle is vast and wide, maybe pun intended. So please do yourself a favor and invite experts into your world who specialize in talking about this. I will say the question overall is like, how do I tell my partners that I'm struggling with this? I think this is an easy opportunity to be like, your dick is so big that it makes me afraid and it triggers my anxiety and it I tense up. No. Why not?
2: <laughs> no. Don't do that.
1: You don't think that men would be like, oh, like you're telling them about something that you're going through, but then you're also giving them like an ego pat on the side. Um, no, you're lying. Maybe, it's, maybe it might be the truth. I mean, you're mind lying. you, a tampon is too big. Anything That's the
2: point. You're lying.
1: It's not a lie. You're lying. Okay, Jay, what what would you suggest then?
2: Tell him that you have vaginismus. Just tell him, hey, we have the other doctor. I have um, I have vag- Is that how you say it? Yes. I have vaginismus. Doesn't sound right to when it comes out of me. You're but. saying it right. Okay.
1: Think about it like we wish you a Merry Christmas, but we miss vaginismus. you a vaginismus. Okay.
2: Um, yeah, just tell him that. like I have vaginismus, and I, I want to figure this out. Because I enjoy sex with you, but right now it's just not enjoyable for me. It feels like a knife. And it and it's not it has nothing to do with you. It's not it's not your penis. It could be a tampon. So it's not a it's not a situation that I think we could just fight through. We have to go to a doctor and really get um, you know, the proper care so that we can have the sex that we want to.
1: Now the reason why I'm giving this advice is because in the Mike episode when he talked about his sexual dysfunction in which he had male performance anxiety the way that he worded it is i like you so much that it's difficult for me because i get in my head because i really want to please you if i didn't like you this much i wouldn't have this problem and so it brings that person in on the team while also stroking their ego at the same time do i think that that's part of the truth yes do i think that there's more to that truth absolutely and that's something that you know. But I do think that it can make the conversation a little easier if you stroke while you tell the person about, here's something that we can't do sexually.
2: Yeah. Well, then he Googles vaginismus and then he realizes that all it takes is a freaking pinky to hurt you.
1: Well, it's not always that, though. It could be... There actually could be a (laughs) truth behind it because it is something that is both physiological and psychological. There is a uh, relationship that exists between the two. So similarly, I could Google... Male sexual performance anxiety, and come up with a different story. But I may just take what you said at face value. And there is a reason why that clip with Mike had millions of views and multiple shares. Yeah, people liked it.
2: Yeah, they they want to be stroked. I get it. But I always just think like you're. It's the same. I feel that's the same way as like women lying about orgasms. It's like you're not really doing yourself any favors. Right. You're, you're just you're just but, stroking his ego, and he's like, yeah, I made you come four times last night. I don't want to hear none of that little dick shit. I'm, I made you get it. So, yeah, fuck out of here with that. So, I just feel like, you know, why lie? Like, it's an actual medical term. There's actually science behind it. Like, we don't have to stroke the male's ego. I, I want to give us a little bit more credit that we'll be able to handle information like that.
1: Communication is not about what you say. It's what you want to accomplish. And in this case, what you want to accomplish is to create a space where the person is mindful of the pain that you experience during sex, while also still excited and encouraged to continue a sexual relationship with you at your pace. I think that even though the words may not be 1000% on the nose, it is definitely to the left truth. It's not a lie. It's to the left. I think that this could be a way to do that, so... This might be where we end things because we're clearly differing. Mind you, like I said, this is definitely a topic for an actual medical licensed expert. Um, This is definitely a conversation to take there, and I want to highly encourage you to do so. I'll do a couple more research resources for you in the info box to look to because this may not have been where you wanted to go with this, and I can acknowledge that. You know why? Because I'm comfortable with my shortcomings. You didn't like that.
2: I don't know what, you, what you're <laughs> saying to that. Are you saying men are not comfortable with their shortcomings?
1: I don't know. Am
2: I? Listen, guys, give men a little bit more credit. Y'all talk about us like we can't take a, a criticism. We can. If, we, if, we, if we're in a relationship, we could deal with it. You ain't got to tell me my dick's big so that you can get help by a doctor. <laughs> I promise you. You'll be all right.
1: <laughs> Although your dick, in our in essence, would be too big. Huh? Your dick would be too big
2: for what vaginismus
1: for anybody jared why because you have a huge penis
2: uh, she's, there she goes again <laughs> i can't believe anything she says anymore
1: you can you, you you have math behind it so it is what it is yeah yeah it yeah. is what it is with that in mind jared brady thank you so much for joining me on this episode of lovers and friends it's been a joy this is a style that i would like to incorporate more especially during times where we're bogged down If the alternative to putting out a more traditional episode is not putting out one at all, I would like to fix that. And the way I'd like to do that is by having these Q&A episodes every once in a while. Yeah. So I hope that you guys really enjoyed it. Um, And if you didn't, you know where to go to tell me off. Where'd they go, babe?
2: The rate and review section.
1: Yes. That is a place that you can go to share your experiences and feelings about the podcast, to offer tips, to say kudos, things that you like, to point out things that you would have liked to be done a little bit differently. I read the rate and reviews religiously, and um, it's a great place to communicate with me. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can also use the comment section. Yeah. Oh, can I read some rate and reviews before we go? The first one up. I found your ass. I've been searching for you, Lisa and Daisy. Hi, it's me. I'm the one who hasn't left a review and listens to the end. What's up? We finally got you. The Soulmate episode was really good and hit me in the feels in such a good way. I want to thank you for being so open about relationships and life. I look forward to listening to your podcast every week and taking what I learned into my own relationship. Oof. You waited. I'm going to say this. You probably waited until you had figured out the perfect way to flirt with me expertly and to hit all my spots. If we were dating and it took me a long time to get to that place where you felt comfortable sexually with me but then when we did get sexual this is what you brought to the table I'd be like thank you so much so Thank you so much. Um, your bestie Aisha says, this podcast makes me happy. Shannon, I really love you in this podcast. I always seem to listen to you when I'm cooking and I think this podcast actually makes my food taste better. That's amazing because I definitely know I couldn't help you in the kitchen, but I'm glad that I inadvertently do. I've learned a lot about myself and the world because each episode gives me new perspectives. I want to hear an episode about HIV and AIDS. And one of my uh, platonic friends... Okay. And one about why women need platonic friends with other women. Let me tell you something. I have been delaying putting out this episode about platonic friends because I want to do it justice because this is a topic that I deeply struggle with. Um, And I have really been putting the work in. I thought I would put it out this week. Didn't end up working out maybe next week. But no, kind of similar to the comment above. When it does come, it's going to be right on time. And I would have done my research to ensure I do this topic justice because it's important to me. Um, just as important it is as I know to many of you. Okay, Alex says, hey girl, I've been a supporter for over 10 years now. That's always so crazy to read uh, for many reasons, but it's just, thank you so much for that. That's from Gabby. I love how you bring so much humanity to the world, especially right now in such a hard time where disconnection is more common than connection. I would challenge you to say that disconnection might be more common than connection in your given circle. I believe that connection and opportunities all around us. I also think that the friendship episode that I talked about really illuminated that for me because in having those dialogues, because I felt that, like I felt a deep well of disconnect. um, But the more that I talked about it and explored, I was like, maybe it's me. And the maybe it's me question actually brought me to a very interesting uh aha that I'm excited to share with you. You left a compliment and I tried to sun you. That was kind of fucking weird. I hope that didn't feel weird, but thank you so much. All right. Somebody said just, wow, I want to thank you for these conversations. They're so important. Not somebody that's fancy two seven eight and let's try to find a bad review really quickly okay well this week wow there's a lot of you who you know what let's not even go there a lot of you like jungle hair and d chet and amber and trees and amber kid and miss bozak a lot of you guys took the time during the month of february to show love and i want to say thank you during a month of love that was nuts for me having you all here as a grounding force has been everything so shout out to you love to you and let's talk next week
2: Lovers and, friends, lovers and friends, I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend, I say. Lovers and friends. Uh, I'ma hold you down down to the end, I say.
1: Lovers and friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment's Shan Boudram. It is produced by Boo and Crisia Cruz with production support from 2S Entertainment's Adam Krasner and Brianna Barone. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and engineering on our episodes. Lovers and Friends is powered by Audio Boom and made possible by our incredible sponsors, who you can show love to by reading our show notes.
0: Selling a little or a lot.